When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, this is the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast, a Spotify and Villa Romana Network production. I'm Alan Nevitz. And I'm Joey Santa. Well, it has been a minute, for sure. Yeah. And I will take the blame. <laughs> it's, it's all Alan's fault. It's all my fault. Did you miss us? Did anybody miss us? Well, let's hope so. I mean, <laughs> the good news is when we were with our previous company, they had us on a very tight schedule, yeah. which was grueling, to say the least. And now uh, this new company, Spotify, allows us to do it at our own pace, which is nice, but you don't have anybody then sort of cracking the whip at you going, oh, where's your podcast this week? I know. Where's your deadline? Yes. So I um, like a deadline. I honest. do like, I'd like a deadline. So too. why don't we create a deadline for ourselves from here forward? We did. We broke it. Oh, we did. Okay. <laughs> we so had never one. mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, because people are, it's very difficult. Oh, to be quite honest, and, and you know, as transparent as I am, um, we live in a strange world where we set deadlines, but other people need to set deadlines for themselves too. Albeit our guests or people that we are seeking to interview or right. have on our show. And it's very difficult, you know, scheduling and assistants are not really assisting. Right. So it's difficult. So the, so the well, guests that true. we're seeking, you know, as much as they want to do the show or as, or as you know, we're, we're lining it all up, but the assistant is too busy trying to be Well, that's true because like, we've been waiting for three people who said, well, let's do it. And yeah, then we said, we'll oh, well, we'll wait till you. next week. And then like, oh, can we put it off a week? Can we put it? And now yeah, suddenly so it's been four weeks. And then all of a sudden, and then here we are like, where's the guest? Where's the thing? And then, you know, you lose the momentum. So we apologize for that. We'll be better. But um, a great friend of ours and a, a really lovely and, and bright person, uh, Morgan Fairchild, stepped in and she most certainly did. she came into the studio with us you know I, I i love her we're not really talking about her acting the one thing you will see is that during the interview our friend um david yontoff was here yeah and he's a host of behind the velvet rope and you know the funny thing about david he has a show that's a lot more geared to um reality opera, tv reality yeah uh and housewives not, not what we do no, but we are very yeah. friendly. Yeah, no, but we're with some friendly. Of the housewives, we've had them on the show, but th that genre of podcast is very popular, and he he runs a a great show for for um, for those listeners. And yeah. he was in town, and he's wanted Morgan on his show, and we said, well, let's and just do it together. Big fan of hers, so we said, why don't you come join and join us. the show, yeah. and, and the interview. So yeah, he, so he you're gonna in. hear you're gonna hear his voice in the interview pop in with a few questions, just so you're not like, who who's that? Yeah, <laughs> but David. also listen out for his podcast, who, yeah. uh, Behind the Velvet Rope, uh, because um, he's going to um, play a different a, interview, a different interview from the, the same one he did interview with us, yeah. from the same interview. Yeah, we that cut we did, them differently. So. so if 
you know, he does uh, uh, more of her her acting, and so if you want to hear that, you should go listen to his. We've cut this down to to something yeah. that's more. We wanted to talk less TV yeah. and a lot more um, what she does, her passions and her interests in the. Uh, yeah, which I think will surprise people. Very. I think the they'll dumb be very surprised. Strikes back. Yes, so you'll you'll understand why we've titled this that. Uh, she's quite interesting. She's very smart, and she's a really lovely, lovely person. Yeah. And so we're excited to have her. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I wanted, did you, have you seen the John Wick movie? I've seen the others. I haven't seen this one that just opened, actually. So yeah, I, this weekend it opened, or this past weekend. Mm-hmm. And to unbelievable numbers. It's the second biggest opening for this year. And yeah, we haven't seen it yet either. But I love those movies. We plan to go probably So this let's week. just do it together. Yeah, let's do that. Hey, aren't we going to see Cirque du Soleil? We are, just uh, this week. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I haven't seen that in 100 years. And last time I saw it, well, I mean, I've seen those variations like in Vegas. And, yeah. you know, they're not the same because the originally. A couple of the Vegas ones are great. Yeah, but originally, do you remember how simple it was in the tent in Santa Monica on, on the, the beach. beach? Loved it. That, that was In fact, the so first one great. I ever saw was that one with the horses. Yeah. On, in Santa Monica on the beach. And that kind of got me hooked. Then we saw Mystere in Vegas. If you haven't seen that, that's one of the great shows it. to and see o, in Vegas. And O is a great one and a fun one. If you can't get into shows, is uh, the one that's uh, absinthe, that's in front of Caesar's Palace in the little it. tent. It's fun. Mm-hmm. But uh, so we're going to go see, it's called Corteo. And it's yeah, downtown. Yeah, and this will be downtown at yeah. the, uh, what's the big that theater? theater? The that yeah, one. That theater. That one downtown. <laughs> I forget what. But it's But they have called. all the sporting events and things. That thing. Oh, that the, one. the. Okay, never mind. Well, they keep changing the names on yeah, them, so I can't keep keep track. <laughs> but yeah, so John Wick. Back to the movies. The other thing that I thought uh, I would mention, because a lot of people have not heard of it or seen it, is there is this Boston Strangler movie on television. I don't remember. I think it's Netflix. Uh, it's Amazon or Netflix. I think it's Netflix, but it, it's fantastic. It's with uh, Kira Knightley. Knightley. Her boss is played by Chris Chris uh, Cooper. Cooper, thank you. And it didn't get great reviews by the critics. Not terrible, but not great on Rotten Tomatoes. But I watched it anyway because I was curious, and I actually was surprised that it didn't get better reviews. I thought it was fantastic. I don't know about you. But I have never been the one to follow a critic's choice, honestly. I don't, but I usually follow the audience. Like a lot of times the critics will give it a 67 and the audience will give it an 86. And the audience gave it kind of a B minus, but I thought it was quite good. And I thought it was really interesting. And I actually thought it was kind of scary, to tell you the truth. Mm -hmm. And so I told uh, Will to watch it and then he loved it too. So I thought, okay, I'm not nuts, but... It's yeah. worth seeing. I, I, uh, I, I, I'm the kind of guy that I like. I've always been like that. Even when, when we used to play albums, mm-hmm. you know, I like the side or, or the the 45s. I like the B side. Right. So, you know, because <clears throat> especially when something is so hyped and everybody is, oh, you've got to see this show and everybody's on it. I sort of, nah. And then I get on to it after all that's gone after right. people have already stopped watching it or it's been canceled and i go oh god that was so good you know i really so i don't really follow that stuff and i and i don't trust depending on the audiences these days <clears throat> their intelligence level and <laughs> especially yeah. our listeners kidding 
<laughs> no levels. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, Anything else you've seen or done that you're... No, I've just been catching up on my stupid shows. You know, those things that I like to watch that I record and then I, you know, I have to pick up back on. I pick don't, back up on. Don't mention so. them because we'll lose no, more listeners. <laughs> <laughs> it's that mindless stuff that because my mind is so racing all the time between work and my schedules. And, and then I come home and I almost just tune out and I tune into those kind of shows that are just kind of in the background and they're silly enough. And they have this kind of thing that draws you in, and then I can go and I'll yell at the TV for five minutes, and then I turn it off, and I read something. Right. Yeah. I don't know. It's been very busy between the weather and we went. You know, we really wanted to go skiing last weekend, and I'm getting ready for the London Book Fair in a few weeks. Yeah. So, and, and of course, I'm trying to finish up my flying. I know you guys have been hearing this for two years, but it it takes longer. If you don't do it all the time. And this, the crazy winds and stuff. The winds this weekend are were nuts. Yeah. This past and the weekend. Rains. The Between... rains. By the way, seeing the sun come out, cold or not, I was so excited oh, yeah. to not see a cloud in the sky. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we did go to Mammoth last weekend, and that was amazing. But I've never seen so much snow. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they're red tagging places all over Mammoth. And in fact, I don't know if you saw the news, but on Thursday or Friday of last week, there was an explosion at one of the condo complexes and they had to take, uh, two people was sort of had to be dug out of the snow a little bit. And then they heard screaming and there was another guy. And then his wife and his son had been buried. Oh God. She had to be flown out to a hospital. And, but they're having unbelievable problems because of how much snow they have. If it's not the roofs, it's the, you know, the propane tanks are buried. If it's not the streets, it's something yeah, else. People don't realize how heavy snow is. Especially Piled it's been rather wet yeah. snow these mm-hmm. last few storms. And yeah. so it gets very heavy. Well, skiing season will be, have a long, long time. Yeah. I, we skied on Thursday it had just stormed. We got there, and it was still snowing on Wednesday night. Thursday woke up. It was unbelievably beautiful, yeah. clear. It was in mid-30s. It was everything you want on a ski day. You know, the snow's fresh and cold. Yeah. They had had so much snow, a lot of the lifts weren't even open. They were digging them out. That's crazy. I mean, chair one was literally, they had photos, and the chairs were in the snow. That's how high the snow is. Wow. And up at the main lodge, you could walk straight from the snow onto the third floor balconies i should have i should have went with you guys I could we had just, a great time i would have just stayed in the cabinet by the fire and made chocolate and we had a great time well we went out we fondue. went bowling and we went we went there's a new uh you know a sledding thing i don't know tubing with the yeah. inner tubes that they've done where you go down the thing oh, I would have it's done all that. plant we had a great time it, it was there was only so much you could do with that kind of snow. The one thing that we sort of failed at is we realized, why didn't we go snowmobiling? The snowmobiles are down at the airport. And when we were passing the airport, I said, can you believe how much snow is there? And then I saw all these snow, and I thought, of course, how stupid. Yeah. We could have just driven it out of the airplane hangar onto the snow and you know, had a great time. Yeah, and I, I love snowmobiling. The rain we had here is it, unbelievable. I mean, my deck has been ruined three and four times over and I keep replacing, keep fixing, <laughs> keep, oh, I'm so over it. So this weekend it's been great because it's been sunny and not warm, but warm enough that you can really enjoy, you know, when you're in the sun. So yeah. I've been sitting out there and, and taking that in. And then the evenings I had a couple friends over and I did the fire pit. So it was great. So, you know, hopefully we'll have a reprieve. I mean, I think we have more coming, but we I'll do. just 
tear everything down myself before I let Mother Nature do it. Yeah. Yeah, you need to do that because yeah, I think we have two days coming. Yeah, and four umbrellas went flying, so. With Mary Poppins attached. <laughs> yes. Oh, hello. It's beautiful of sugar. <laughs> yeah. How about all this craziness with the... Um... I can't. <laughs> you I know can't, what I'm going to say. Can't. Yeah, because I can't. It, it embarrasses me so greatly. The, the, the who decides what art is and what isn't. And the nudity. The fact that Venus de Milo is considered porn. The fact that Michelangelo's David with that little dick is considered <laughs> porn. I mean, what kind of porn is that? I mean, really. Oh, my God. I mean, seriously. Well, I mean, it's, it's in, after it's hundreds in of years now, suddenly it's porn with some people. I mean, what is wrong with these people? What what cave are they living in? I don't I, understand. I don't understand. And, and what do cannot... they think that they're protecting their children from? Because those are the those and, are the kids that grow up to get some girl and, and, pregnant and, and because they were never exposed to anything. And please tell me how many hundreds of years it's been considered art until this year. And all of a sudden now some millennial parent is <laughs> having a fit that her kid, you know, commented on something it's 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 just yeah what it was is that it was in a school it was in a school uh, that a teacher showed it that a teacher showed it and the parents hadn't been informed that they were going to be seeing this it's like it's a statue it's made of stone okay it's not a statue of john holmes no exactly (laughs) if you know who that is look it up (laughs) google it oh no the whole thing is so silly and i'm very confused by all this because it's driven by, you know, sort of right-wing Christians, but they are the same people saying the government has to be out of our lives. And yet they're asking the government to ban books in the schools. They're asking the government to put in so more rules. So we can rules. all be idiots like they are. So we're underread, we're underfed, overfed. Overfed. And underfucked. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that, that's it all the way around. That's half the problem with this whole Quaker mentality. It's very strange. So they're, you know, they're they're passing all these laws to have the government intrude your life more, and then they're out there going, "Oh, the Democrats are making laws that yeah, intrude I into know. our lives." I it's know. like, wait, wait, you've banned abortion. You you want to now? You want to keep women from crossing borders? You want to watch them to see if they got an abortion in another state? I mean, it's out of control. Yeah, Crazy. I'm out of here. And the other thing now with the drag queen stuff. Oh, you know, and the, you know, the children if are banned from so drag. Crazy, it'd be humorous. I've never been to a drag show that children were at. I mean, I don't know how that works, and I don't know how it works in whatever state you're so freaked out about. Oh, drag queens who have always been the most—they're clowns in high heels. That's basically yeah. That's they're what they there are. to have fun and entertain us. You know, when I was a little boy, and I'm proud of this, my grandmother had a housekeeper, live-in housekeeper named Wanani. And he would do drag. And he would do drag at my grandmother's parties. And you know? he would laugh. And we would love it. And it was so much fun. And then my mother would borrow Wanani for her parties in Manhattan, in our Manhattan apartment. And he would th- throw, she would throw these lavish parties. And he would entertain uh, all the guests. And my brother and I were front row center laughing and having a good time. He, t- he would come with us to our house in Fire Island. He'd spend the whole summer with us, taking care of us, protecting us. And... I never learned more wonderful things from this person. Didn't make me want to, you know, right, run around the house up. in high heels and stuff. And if I did, it, at least he helped me pick them out, the proper <laughs> ones. They weren't sensible heels. I mean, I have great calves because of that exercise I got then. <laughs> 
Well, what's, no, but it's just what's crazy it's so about gross it that people have to find the ugly in everything rather than everything. the beauty and celebrate that. There is nobody. I just I'm so angry at it because the last thing we need now is this. These are people that that they don't even understand the history of drag and and how it started. And it was an homage to women. It was never making fun of women or or degrading women. It was elevating them and bringing them a beauty to it and a sense of fun and humor. And it praised a lot of the, the famous women like Shirley Bassey and Diana Ross and Cher and all of their those icons and idols that, that have taken people that were in a very dark place in their life in the world and gave them some sunshine, you know? And I think that why these idiots have to make everything so dirty and Well, you know where it comes from dark. is that they think that if you're watching that, that somehow that is going to affect your sexuality. And they don't understand that that child's sexuality is already half implanted in their head. And they're going to decide, is that appealing to them or not appealing to them? Being at a drag show doesn't suddenly make you say, okay, I'm now I'm going to be a drag queen or now I'm something other than what I am. Because she's doing Bette Midler jokes? Oh, that makes me want to be gay. <laughs> If I, I got it's crazy. the joke, I was probably already gay. Right. By the <laughs> way, who's taking these kids to these shows other parents. than the parents? But if, if your parent is taking you, it's everything you're asking for that the parent gets to decide. Okay, well, the parent decided to take their child to this show for some reason. So I, I, I don't get the whole thing. And it's we have so many bigger things to deal with Seriously, in the world. I, and I people can't. are not going to bitch about drag queens. Yeah, and they can't go to the library and read. Read what? There's no oh, interesting please, nobody's reading. anymore. Nobody's reading. I can't. <laughs> so anyway, sorry. Sorry, drag queens. Don't pay any attention to these truck drivers. <laughs> So, they aren't truck drivers. Well, but they it's... look like truck drivers, these parents. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Ay, ay, ay. Okay. Well, okay, I think we've kvetched enough. I think we kvetched enough. Anyway, have a nice listen to Morgan. She's great. She's intelligent. She's smart and um, beautiful. And and we talk a... about a lot of science and, you, not, we do. and not acting. So I think it's going to surprise you. Yeah. And uh, we'll get into that as soon as we come back. We're back. And with us today is Morgan Fairchild. And thank you. Hello. Hello. <laughs> now, you know, we always start each segment with the guest with the drink that Joey has designed specifically oh. for them. So Joey's going to tell us a little bit about this drink, what it is, what it's called, what's in it, why he's made it, and why we're drinking it so quickly. Yes, this is in honor <laughs> to one of your television series. And I believe it was one of your first series that was yours, was it not? I mean, pretty much. Didn't you go right from Dallas to that? To, to Flamingo Road? Um, not quite. I mean, I did some, but that was the first series. I mean, I was yeah. I was recurring on Dallas, but I mean, right. I guest star on Dallas. And then this was, and then I did a bunch of other stuff, some TV movies and other guest appearances, Mork and Mindy the first year and stuff like that, and then went to Flamingo, Flamingo Road. Flamingo Road. Okay, so, but I, I was a big fan of Flamingo Road and, of course, of yours. Yay, thank and you. And Philip was like, oh, I love her, I love her. I want to be her. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> as a tribute to that and all of that madness, I created the Flamingo Road. Oh, thank you. Thank and what you. is it? What's it's in it? It's vodka. Yeah. Or okay. not. Not mine. <laughs> Morgan doesn't drink. Some have vodka. Yes, mine does. All of them have vodka Alan except has Morgan's. double vodka. <laughs> <laughs> and you have vodka. Gin, rum, and... No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and it's uh, 
pomegranate juice, um, a little guava, and some fresh pineapple juice, and then oranges, apples, and pineapple as your garnish. So. And it is Very lovely. Good. It's good. And it has, is there soda or something in it? Uh, just a dash of, of club at the end. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah just to I give it a little fizz. fizz. Yeah, it's yeah. great, even without the booze. Even without the booze, right? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> It'll keep one leg up. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, there was a magazine called One Woman. Yeah. And that, their debut magazine. Oh, I would have brought one. I would have brought one if oh, I'd known you were going to talk about it. And that was completely dedicated to you. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was a concept. It was a concept. These people came up with. The publishers came up with to do a whole magazine on one woman each month. Mm -hmm. it didn't last very long. Um, and um, and have six different photographers shoot the same woman and see what kind of different looks and everything they could come up with. So it was How great cool. fun. Wow. I got to work with David Bailey, who you know the sure. you know the hippest uh, photographer in the world at that point. Uh -huh. and, you know the sort of um, progenitor for, for uh, Blow Up, the yeah, movie Blow yeah. Up, which young people won't know what that is, but it was terribly hip at the time. Mm -hmm. And um, and uh, George Harrell, I got to work with George Harrell. Oh, wow. Amazing. And for those who don't know, George Harrell was the just godfather of movie magic and, and shot all of the stars at MGM and made everybody from Garbo to Dietrich to Gene oh, yeah. Harlow to look, look like yeah. goddesses. Oh, yeah. so and me. <laughs> did you and see you the photo, the Harrell photo that I did? No. So I that was back in 32, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I think merch earlier. Um, no, I represented Mark Vieira. Yeah. Mark Vieira is a big sort of, he's, you know, a photographer and a Hollywood fact guy. Yeah, yeah. And he actually took over the Harrell Studios down off of the, off of, uh, that lake, what's that lake downtown that with the big park around it? You know which one I'm talking MacArthur? about? MacArthur? Yeah. MacArthur Park. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Harrell's studio yeah. was there. Mm -hmm. And he has the original camera that Harrell used and the lens. Well, so, that was the thing. He was using this camera from 1920s. So you you slide a glass frame into yeah. it, and then you have to hold perfectly still for 10 seconds while they get the picture. Yeah, and then he corrected wow. it. You know, he did yeah. all the corrections with lead pencil yeah, yeah. Uh, right so on the like negative etching almost on the it's yeah. very cool well you've seen the photo yeah, those yeah, black and white cool. photos yeah. but he but, was so yeah. lovely he was such a lovely gentleman he was so elderly at that point he was like 90 years old and they said you know he's not going to work past six because he's 90 years old or whatever and so so i said okay great you know and so we worked all day and then it got to be six and then six thirty, and i i said i thought he didn't want to work past six and they, <laughs> they said no he loves working with you you're like the old stars <laughs> you oh, know yeah. you understand the camera and he loves working with you so i was very flattered to hear that from george harrell who oh, yeah. Worked yeah, with course. everybody, yeah. you know. and he gave everybody that skin, you know, that fluorescent yeah. sort yeah. of yeah. luminescent yeah. skin. Well, he made all the MGM stars look like goddesses. Yeah. I mean, it was the no, beginning that's why of the my film photo, I looked at it, and it was the first time I ever saw a photo of myself, and I said, "You know, I rather like that." Yeah. <laughs> I look pretty good. <laughs> and I didn't shave or anything. They take it all out with lead. It's unbelievable how they do it. Now, Flamingo Road was uh, a film with Joan Crawford, wasn't it? Yeah. Originally, yeah. 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 They made that into it. Interesting. Yeah. And your character, do you remember her name on the show? Uh, Constance. Constance. Felden, yeah. yeah, Constance <laughs> Carlisle. Oh, that's right. Yes. Constance Carlisle. Yeah, Constance Carlisle. Wow. No. no. I have to revisit that one. That, that was a good show. <laughs> It was a fun show, and it was one of those things, again, because it was the early days of the soaps. And so when we started shooting, you know, we'd done a two-hour movie pilot, 
and and then we started shooting and they were still building the sets over at Warner Brothers so they kept shoot giving me scenes in my bedroom because they didn't have any other sets finished <laughs> and so and so I'm getting bored sh sitting in negligees all the time so I started I said guys I'm gonna bring so I started bringing my little teddies and my little cute sexy stuff and corsets and stuff and you know and so I kind of started this whole sexy lingerie thing mm -hmm. in in the soap in, operas in the because it was yeah. my stuff that I just brought in because I was bored with the negligees because we didn't have a set finished, you know. That's great. <laughs> wow. But, you know, you, you always had a sense, like a tongue-in-cheek sort of sense of humor when it came to those vixen sexy roles. You never took it to that place where it was so serious. You always had a... Didn't you look I think at you have it a to have fun. I think do. you have to have fun with I it. Agree. I, I agree. I mean, that was the thing. But I that, was made it even, that made you even sexier. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. But the thing was, you know, when I'm doing the pilot, it was a two-hour movie of a Joan Crawford movie, and mm -hmm. I was not the Joan Crawford character. Right. That and was Lane Bellamy, I think, yeah, her character uh, was. Yeah, and I, and I just uh, was uh, there to get in the way of the two star-crossed lovers because he happened to be married to me. Uh, for my yeah. money, and so uh, you know, and, but you know, I just chewed the scenery through the whole thing, and I didn't have all that much to do in the pilot, but it kind of came off. You know, we went to the upfronts where they announced the new shows, and everybody's saying that's the hot blonde this year, and it's like, I, what me? Yeah, <laughs> you know, I yeah, all yeah, I yeah. did was to chew the scenery in this thing. Yeah, it's like little when, did you know. Well, it's like when I did Dallas. Um, again, you know, that show was supposed to be Larry. Uh, I mean, it was supposed to be Pam and Bobby. And oh, yeah. yeah, and it was because Larry was funny. Larry was a funny bad guy. I was a funny bad girl. And that people like that. They wait to see what you're going to say if you're a wise ass. Yeah. And so I ad libbed a lot of my stuff and uh, wise ass stuff and ad libbed a it's lot. It's less of stuff. intimidating. Yeah, yeah. And know. people liked it. They thought it was funny. But Larry, the same thing. We had a scene together in that episode that I did with uh, Bobby's girlfriend. And, you know, and he and I were just circling each other. <laughs> you know, we just had uh -huh. a great time. But it was so funny because when we started shooting, the show wasn't on the air yet. And all the actors were, uh, a lot of the actors were doing bad southern accents for Texas and we're shooting in Dallas and I'm from Dallas and so the producer said you know Larry and Morgan are the only two who are native Texans go over and talk to them and let them show you this accent so you'd have people come up with their script and say will you just say these lines in Texican <laughs> for me so Texican so I can hear it yeah. <laughs> Texican you're from um <clears throat> Texas yeah yeah how interesting because one of the things we were going to talk about is you're very politically involved Oh yes, yes. And, and um, but you must have family in Texas. I do. And do you get along with your Texas family? I do. I, you know, <laughs> I have a, my sister is more liberal as am I, uh -huh. and uh, and then I have other cousins and people who are much more conservative, and you know, we just don't talk politics. Right. You know? I mean, I've grown up it. with these people. I know them my whole life. I'm not right. going to cut them off because we disagree no, exactly. on politics. No, of course exactly. you can't. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I feel the same. Yeah, and when you know that you disagree. But there are so many other wonderful qualities about you do the person that you've yeah. known your whole mm -hmm. life. Um, all of us have chosen not to sever relationships. Obviously, some families didn't make that decision. And I feel bad for them, too, but you have to lose people out of your life because right. of politics. Well, that's the Correct. most important note here is that we never used to do that in <clears throat> politics. Yeah. Right. You always knew that you had certain neighbors or friends that maybe were of the other party. And it never seemed to get in the way because it didn't seem to be so front and center, the politics. Yeah. And now, you know, I mean, first of all, the Internet is just feels like everybody can yell at each other. Right. But but, you know, now they don't want to get along with 
a person just because they're the opposite party. They don't know anything about them other than the, than the other party, and they nor, instantly hate and them. And nor they, do they know really that much about the, the politics that they're— <laughs> Of their own. Of their own, really yeah. They but they're also, arguing about. You know, <laughs> there, there was something called conversations, and you could leave a conversation not agreeing with the conversation right. or with the person you're having the conversation with, but you can respect the person mm -hmm. during and after— and at least come away with, you know what, it's okay. I, I think a little <clears throat> bit differently, but let's go out for a drink later. I mean, now it's like you want to burn their house down. What? what, what where did we yeah. go wrong? No, it's gotten very, very polarized for some reason. And that moves us into a little bit of the COVID thing, which I know we want to talk to you about. Yeah, okay. Because you have, well, <clears throat> and you can correct me because it's been a while, but you were one of the first people in Hollywood to jump in when HIV and AIDS sort of became something that nobody knew what it was. You were one of the early birds to jump in there and say, we need to do something about this. I think I was the earliest. Mm -hmm. I mean, that would go public. Right. Um, but I, because, you know, I'm just this weird science nerd. I wanted to be a doctor, a paleontologist when I was a kid. And I got, people kept paying me to act, you know, and then I got married young and didn't get to finish college and stuff. You know, Did you so, ever act like a doctor? Uh, they won't ever cast me that way. I come from a family of attorneys. My uncle was a judge. My cousin prosecuted for the Justice Department. I grew up on that stuff, too, that nobody ever cast me as an attorney. Um, and I can actually pronounce the words. Um, yes. But it's... You know, it, it was kind of funny because I do have these odd hobbies. And one of my hobbies, because I wanted to be a doctor, is emerging viruses and epidemiology. Right. And so I'm always following new breaking viruses. So when this one, the first time I noticed this one, it was like the New York Times. There was a little blurb, like literally this big, um, you know, like five sentences about this um, uh, Kaposi sarcoma in New York. Right. And, and um, in, in young men. And I thought, well, that's odd. And then there were uh, 13 cases of pneumocystis pneumonia in San Francisco. And I thought, well, that's odd. And then it came out that they were all in gay men. Mm. And, and the capaces is usually something you only see in elderly men of Mediterranean extract, not in young men. So I'm thinking there's something new out there. So everything I would see that I thought related to that, I would just read. And I would learn and read and learn. And um, so when, uh, when AIDS came along, when Rock Hudson got sick, I had been Rock's date to um, some Lifetime Achievement Award about six months before he started on Dynasty. And, of course, everybody in town knew Rock was gay. It's just uh, the American public didn't know Rock right. was gay, but everybody knew Rock was gay. And so um, when I heard he wasn't looking well, I knew exactly what it was. Mm -hmm. um, and such a lovely, lovely man, you know, wonderful man. And so he um, – so suddenly people are asking – you know, basically people are coining you on, the, on Rodeo Drive saying, are you ever going to kiss anybody again after Linda Evans kissed Rock on Dallas right. – I mean on Dynasty? And, Dynasty. And, you know, and yeah. so suddenly I'm you know, being asked and, and, and I actually can talk about the virus. And so I was like – I was on Falcon Crest. I was on the set and it was, they were having the, life to, uh, the first um, um, commitment to life award rock was still alive mm -hmm. and it and it would later turn into the elizabeth taylor foundation and all of that mfar but it was the first one and um i suddenly get a phone call from ted koppel from nightline on uh, on the set of Fla falcon crest and saying you know uh, we're doing a panel show tonight and we're doing a, a whole thing on aids and i said oh fabulous you know we need to get the word out and um he said i hear you know more about it than anybody in town i said well i don't know about that but you know, but he said, well, here's the thing. Um, we want to do this panel. We have 
he named a lady who was a gossip columnist who I knew would go with the fear mentality. And we have um, this doctor, their staff doctor, and we have an, an, an I won't name big celebrity uh, star, uh, but the celebrity is holding us up with wants a single. They don't want to be on a panel. They want by themselves. Right. And he says, I don't want to do that. I want a panel. And I said, well, listen, if you can get so-and-so, great. I mean, you know, but um, you know, my problem is I'm still at work, and it's a black tie event, and I don't have my gown here, and I don't even know if I'll be able to make it. And he, So he called back and said, okay, they're holding us up, so we want to go with the panel. We'll go get your gown. So they go over and get my gown at my house pick me up I'm changing into my evening gown in the backseat of the limo swooshing down the freeway to the hills of the Biltmore downtown and get down there and I and I uh, walk in and um, and do this uh, live thing for them in a storage closet with the Ajax behind me and the mops with the tarp over <laughs> in an a, evening gown yeah in an evening gown well I'm at the black tie event I gotta yeah. go on in and you know with a little the first satellite feed I'd ever done it was brand new technology then with this little thing in my ear there's no monitors it's just a camera so I can't see anybody else which is kind of disorienting and just this little thing and I'm kind of deaf so I'm not even sure if I'm hearing it right you know <laughs> and so at one point they said um, can you get it from kissing and so I said well uh, you know no evidence of that yet, but the virus this one is most class closely tracking is hepatitis B in some studies they've done in, in San Francisco, and they've just isolated hep uh, hepatitis B in saliva. Odds are this one, but it may not be communicable that way. So he turns and he says to the staff, doctor, doctor, is that true? And the doctor says, no, that's not true. Well, I'm not going to argue with an MD on national television, right. you know, idiot blonde. And so, uh, <laughs> but the next day they all called me, and one of the producers told me later that they got off the air and this doctor was so put out that this Hollywood blonde had thought she knew something, they went out and checked and found out my research was right. Uh -huh. And so they called me back the next day and apologized. And then for then on, I was the go-to person for AIDS on, on Nightline. Right. And so right. like the first town hall Nightline ever did, it was like five hours with a bunch of congressmen and some doctors and me talking about AIDS and, you know, did a bunch of, I mean, Barbara Walters specials, you know, all kinds of TV specials, everything you always wanted to know about AIDS, opened the first AIDS Veterans Wing in New York, um, it was there for the unveiling of the first quilt, testified before Congress to uh, get funding for AIDS. So at that point, I was working a lot with Dr. Fauci, mm -hmm. who was young and new in the job, and, um, and, and uh, C. Everett Koop, who was the right. Surgeon General at the time. Uh, who was wonderful. You know, I think I think Ronald Reagan had appointed him Surgeon General because he was a pediatric surgeon and he was anti-abortion. Mm -hmm. But when AIDS came along, he stepped up and he made a huge difference. And, you know, people in this country should be very grateful to him and to Dr. Fauci because mm -hmm. he really saved a lot of lives. And, and, and Matilda Krim, I think she was. Well, Matilda Krim, yes, but I'm just talking, yeah. I'm talking about the sort of political side. Sure, yeah. But in that whole time, you know, I never heard Fauci say, I mean, Fauci say a word about politics. I mean, he never right. mentioned Reagan, never said a word about politics. Even when we were testifying before Congress, you know, it's just money for funding, money for funding. we got to figure out what this is. Right. You know, so I hate seeing him vilified now. Uh, yeah, I do too. Yeah, you know, of course. Over COVID because he is no, he's not. He's trying to help people and then everybody's on top of him. Uh -huh. Well, he's a wonderful. Nobody has all the answers, but he's trying to help you and then everybody's just blasting him like they know something. Well, again, they make it not what it's about. They make it what they want it to be about. Yeah, they made it about politics rather yep. than their health. Exactly. Yeah, and he's a total mensch. And as far as I ever knew, even in very difficult trying emergency situations, totally apolitical. Never heard him say a word about politics. Mm -hmm. you know? So just wants to save lives. Yeah. Who knew? I, I can yeah. tell yeah. what's interest. I can tell what's what you're interested in by your Twitter. 
I oh. can see because <laughs> you send out things that you find interesting or that you think are are going to enlighten somebody, and you tweet them. So I, I oh, get a lot of my news from you. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh, I need to follow you on Twitter. I didn't know you followed me on Twitter. Yeah, of course you I know. do. Oh, I've got to go find you. Well, you know that's how I get a lot of my because you do a lot of science stuff. I do. And um, so I, that's where I get a lot of my information, things that I wouldn't normally pick out to read that might interest me, but they I see them on your Twitter. I'm like, oh, I'm going to read this one. And you get correct information. Correct information. Well, that's, it's very important. <laughs> when I when I first got on Twitter, you know, uh, people were saying, oh, you got to be on Twitter because they cast that way now, you know, and it's like, and I'm thinking, I don't, everybody posts what they had for breakfast. I don't care what they had for breakfast. <laughs> and I don't want you to know what I had for breakfast. You know, I don't care. Um, you know, so I thought, what am I going to tweet about? But, you know, one of my other weird hobbies is foreign policy and counterterrorism, and I've followed terrorist groups since the 70s. And so... Uh, at that particular time, you know, a few years back, uh, I, you know, so I just started posting things from my, you know, counterterrorism guys. And um, so I got a big following in counterterrorism <laughs> because because that's I'm interested in that. Right, that post, yeah. I just thought I'm just going to post what I'm interested in. And yeah, if people don't want to follow it, it's fine. And then, you know, with science, I do paleontology. I do archaeology, all these different kinds of sciences and medicine. Yeah. And then when COVID hit, you know, especially right. um, because there was so much confusion about it. It was very odd because Trump had and, and not to, this is not political. This is Trump had pulled the. Um, uh, the observers out of China when he first got in. And so we didn't really have people on the ground observing what was going on with the medical stuff to report back. So I'm hearing this new virus from my counter intel friends. Mm -hmm. And so um, so I knew, I mean, I bought toilet paper and all this stuff way ahead of time. And I, mean, I knew it was <laughs> Oh, coming. you're the one. I knew it was coming. Um, I mean, I knew it was coming. And it's so funny because I was supposed to, uh, one of my uh, doctor friends, you know, a surgeon actually, and uh, we'd been talking about having lunch and he called up and said, okay, you know, I'm going to be free. I don't have to do surgery, you know, next Monday, you know, let's, let's, let's go have lunch. And I said, oh, we're going to be shut down by Monday. He said, what are you talking about? I said, there's a new virus. He says, what are you talking about? I said, we'll be shut down by Monday. We were shut down by Monday. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> it's like. I was so paranoid. I was so scared. Well, I mean, we all went away together. The we we I isolated. I traveling. I was like, well, oh, no, my God, we we're isolated. We went we to. Heard the four of us went uh, to my place in We went Miami, to his place in And Miami. we watched the news there for a week to sort of we let drove. things figure out what they were doing. We drove all the way to. No, and then we went. Oh, we drove all the way to Oregon. That was later. That was the following. That was later in the summer. Yeah, but we instantly. I know. Went I kept seeing you guys traveling, week. and I'm thinking, "Oh my God, I hope they're okay." <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we tested, and we just all stayed together. Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah, we yeah, traveled yeah. as a, for the four of us. We yeah. traveled everywhere together, and then we just but we stayed the four of us. Mm -hmm. and just the four of us. We had dinner like three times a week together. <laughs> <laughs> and then what I do, Andrew and I redid our uh, townhouse so we could have the deck. So our friends that were alone didn't have partners or didn't have pets or whatever were were ter you know were terrified had nowhere to go so we set it up where we did the distancing so we could be outside and they had we can they could be around people they can have dinner with us or lunch or yeah, talk and feel comfortable yeah. we're just sitting <laughs> on that side and we're on that side but at least we all felt safe and none of us got it none of we us were got really it. lucky yeah none I haven't had it but I'm nope, uber careful I haven't had it yeah. either. Oh, that's yeah. good, because I have so many friends that are going through hell with lung COVID. I have yeah. one friend who's waiting for a kidney transplant because of lung COVID. Oh. Wow. You know, I don't know if she'll ever be able to work again, you know. So I I just, that's what I'm worried about. At this point, you know, people say, oh, it's just the sniffles. Oh, no, know. it's not. But it's no, the I lung know. COVID. I'm scared of. No, I person where it's not this. The and sniffles. then also yeah. now, and, and you, can, you can corroborate this, mm -hmm. but if 
they say that now people think, okay, when you get the second time, it's less. It, it has it does more damage the second time. Every time you get it, it, it ramps affects, up. It ramps mm-hmm. up your chance of getting long COVID, but also they're seeing that can also, as they say, warp your immune system and. Um, shut down part of the immune system. Wow. It, it exhausts your immune system. They have one called T-cell exhaustion, where it can exhaust your your uh, immune system. So you're not fighting anything anymore. Well, sometimes, yeah. Mm-hmm. People, then they fall prey to other infections other because yeah. their immune system is weakened. So. It's gotten now to where I have people saying, you know, I get all my news from you because yeah. you always tweet things I never see in my paper anymore and I, from parts of the world I don't know about. And so I get all my news from you. But especially during COVID, I felt kind of a moral obligation, as I did during AIDS, to get reality out there, how you do and don't get it and, you know, what the repercussions are and things like that. So I, I felt the moral obligation, again, to, to just get information out that people could rely on. I wanted to quickly just ask about Roseanne and Friends. You know, Roseanne, I mean, to me, listen, it was an iconic part, but I mean, it really was ahead of its time. You know, I mean... We have Sandra Bernhardt who's playing a lesbian on, on a major show, which is one thing. But, you know, you never really met the gay or lesbian person's, you know, significant other. Like, I mean, was it? Did you feel that in the time? And, like, I know hindsight's twenty. Well, you know, they, they called and offered it to me. And my agent was kind of on the fence about whether I should do it. Because, really, a lipstick les- lesbian had never been done. And, no, not really. Uh, yeah. And so... Um, y- I am just this weird person that I like doing iconoclastic things. Mm -hmm. I don't like doing the safe thing. I like doing things that are going to shock people or make them think about something or make them look at you a different way. And so I said yes. And I I read the script, and it's like this whole first episode of the arc. You know, Sandra's talking about her new girlfriend, a new girlfriend. And and I knew that when they opened the door and Morgan Fairchild was standing there, (laughs) it was going to be the last thing anybody expected. Right. (laughs) And and that would be... Uh, the epitome of lipstick, and then you just yeah. made her into lesbian. But yeah, you're yeah. the epitome of lipstick. Yeah, so yeah. I, I just thought I thought it was funny. I thought it was eye-opening. I thought it was a chance to create a discussion um, in society, you know, because it was a very hot show, and I knew it would be water cooler talk, you know. So I thought it was a good chance to open up a discussion, and, and, and it was funny. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, very. And what your team said, no, don't do this because, what, it was a lesbian yeah, because it was a lesbian. Yeah, they they thought that it was too controversial. Um, but, you know, I, listen, then, I may have lost then. a TV show, but I, I know I lost jobs because of my AIDS work. I mean, I've been told by casting people that my name would come up in the room and people would say, oh, she's too controversial with all that AIDS stuff. I mean, I lost work because of it. But it's the best thing I ever did with my life. I mean, I, I help save lives. Yeah. You know, it's more important than several jobs I lost. And by the way, but, thank wow. you. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> no, but thank, thank you. you. That that was probably the worst. You know, we forget about it. It, it still exists. People don't talk about it or they just think, oh, we'll take prep or we'll do this or, you know, and they, they still don't realize. And that was the hardest time that I've ever been through. And as a young man, like Alan and I, we, we've known each other so long and we've lost so many people we loved and cared about. And we a, were able to get through it because we took responsibility for our ourselves and for and for the knowledge that we were able to get from people like you and and realize that we had a responsibility to save our own lives because we weren't getting answers we didn't know what was safe we didn't know i mean people were saying you can't kiss somebody you can't i mean we had to do it and thank god we never uh, i mean i was i'm negative i've always been negative thank god but but in that process 
So many people I love that really didn't know and didn't trust and didn't know how to know are gone well, and still are dying. Still, yeah. yeah. And I, that's the thing. I felt beca because, again, I had knowledge. When people started coming in asking for interviews and the agents are saying, you know, just shut up, just shut up. And I said, but I know stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know stuff that people don't know. I mean, there were points when I was interviewing doctors for TV specials where they'd say, you know more about this disease than the doctors do. And I said, yeah, all I focus on is this. The doctors have other things to worry about, too. I focus on this. On I know. I read everything about this. And so, um, you know, so I felt a moral obligation, number one, to get word about, about the disease, but number two, to take the stigma off of the gay community because of it. It just happened to enter this country uh, through a gay, uh, gay person and, and got into the gay community first but it's it's not a gay disease it's just a disease like yeah, any I, other I disease yeah i don't think right. diseases come out like oh we're targeting this one no you know i, I mean what was it pink <laughs> i felt a moral obligation there was knowledge i had that might help people and people and didn't did. want to listen to doctors which was the weird thing we're seeing again with COVID. is people were very distrustful of doctors but you have a sex symbol come on and say honey you got to change your behavior <laughs> you know? uh -huh. yeah. And, you know, suddenly people would listen, yeah. you know, and it was uh, and, and it, it, it got attention. I could get testimony before Congress. I could get PR for all kinds of different things. One friend of mine was um, was I, I forget if it was People magazine was working for People magazine on the West Coast and called me up and said, um, you know, we want to do. A, and this was right after that first award thing when Rock was still alive. We want to do Hollywood fights AIDS. We want to do a big celebrity picture. Will you do it? And I said, sure. So he called me back a couple of weeks later and said, thank you. And I said, for what? And he said, everybody turned us down until you said yes. Mm -hmm. And I started seeing that as my whole mission in the 80s was to take the hits for everybody to get behind me and I make support. it safe for everybody else to come talk about it because I was at the height of everything then and I was willing to take the hits. This correlation, you know, we how we've how we've seen AIDS the way it would mutate and then it would change and it would, you know, and just as the minute you found one thing to treat one strain of it, then it would, you know, turn into something else. Don't you see that same thing a little bit with COVID? Well, they're viruses. Mm -hmm. um, so vi it's a natural progression for them to do that. Yes, some more than others, but viruses are not really alive. They're uh -huh. not like bacteria. It's why antibiotics don't work on viruses. Right. They're, they're just strings of DNA or RNA in the case of like AIDS. And, and, and little bits of them break off. They, they, they're not stable and they're not alive. So the only way they can replicate is to invade another cell and make that cell replicate for them. And so the, the way they make a living, basically, is by mutating. Little bits of them break off all the time because they're so, just strings of DNA and RNA. So, so they mutate a lot more. What does kill them? What does kill them? You can't kill them. You can stop them from infecting. <laughs> well, why do you think people on this particular outbreak, which, by the way, was worse than any of the things we faced in my lifetime, obviously <laughs> polio and things like that were worse, but why do you think suddenly there was all these people suddenly saying don't get a vaccination when they've been getting polio and smallpox and they, you know, they're getting like 40 vaccinations before they got to this point. And suddenly now they're like, oh, don't get a covid vaccination. Well, there was a growing anti-vax movement in the country before this. Right. And so they just played on this one. You know, they just built up. It, and it, what is that, though? Why is there a anti-vax? 
you got me because I'm a science nerd, so I don't understand why people would be against vaccinations. Vaccinations have saved the world right. from smallpox and polio and all these other things. So I don't under diphtheria. I mean, and I don't think very few people ran from those when they were when they were to be no, and they were mandatory. You had to have your vaccine. And you gave your child rule. immediately. Yeah, yeah. yeah. please. And measles. I mean, of course, you know, now yeah. they're starting to have measles and polio outbreaks again because people are skipping their childhood vaccinations, which is terrible. And chicken pox. Well, I know and a lot of people say, oh, I don't want the government telling me what to do. But this oh. wasn't really the government telling you what to do. These are medical professionals saying, if you want to save yourself and the people around you and make sure your grandmother and everybody isn't dying, you need to get this vaccine. And suddenly they're like, oh, you're telling me what to do. These are the same people telling you you can't have an abortion. So they don't want to be told what to do, but they want to tell you what you can't do. That's what well, confuses me. Well, the hypocrisy me. of the current political <laughs> spectrum. They made it political. Yeah. It should never have been political, but it became political, mainly because of Trump and some of his people. Even though Trump started helping create the vaccine, yeah. he was also denying that the virus, you know, it's going to be gone by April. You know, he was denying the malignancy of the yeah. virus, Drink which bleach. we now know he knew about because of the Bob Woodward tapes. Right. He knew about it. Of course. It wasn't that he was unaware. And certainly the doctors that were advising him would have told him that. But it's also we now know that he wasn't unaware. But uh, I, because of politics, just didn't want it, hoped it would go away. But uh, with something like this, it's like with AIDS. When I was testifying before Congress one, uh, to get funding for AIDS. Well, Reagan wanted that to go away, too. Yeah, Let's yeah. Let's be real. One congressperson. You know, a nicer guy, generally, but he, he, he didn't want to deal with it. He wanted it just to disappear yeah. because and he didn't know how to deal with it. Yeah, well, talk talk to the politicians with the Black Death. You know, these things have a way of just not going away and right. decimating your population. Uh, but but when I was testifying before Congress, one congressman said, "I'm Miss Fairchild." You know, how many of my constituents in Middle America? I forget which state, but one of the Midwestern, in Middle America, who is straight and not a drug user, is ever going to get this disease? And I just looked at him and said, "Sir, this is a disease." It does not care about gender. It does not care about uh, your, if you're gay or straight. It doesn't care if you're married or unmarried. It doesn't care about your district line. Right. It yeah. will hit you. But, but the short-sightedness been... of that is sure. If your constituency is in Idaho and they all live two miles apart <clears throat> and you know they're all nice Christians who don't date and don't do whatever, right? they, they probably aren't going to get HIV. 99. The problem is, if you don't help those people in the city that aren't doing those things and are packed together, they are going to bring it to your constituents. Yes, and speak no. to the Falwells. We all know that they, those Christians get around. Uh, early. Mm -hmm. Well, not just Falwell. Wait till our next episode. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about Matt Schlepp. Well, I want to return to the Roseanne thing for a minute. How long did you do Roseanne? Oh, I, I forget. It was like three or four episodes. It was a story arc. They approached right. me with a story arc. Uh, and I'm asking you this because... You know, she's got a special coming up. Oh, she does? Oh, fact, I didn't know. Next week, I think. I think so, <laughs> yeah. Somewhere, it's coming up right away. It's on Fox Sports Channel. The Sports uh, Channel? Yeah, well, you know, she was a very pro-Trump, outspoken pro-Trump. Oh, I'm aware. And <laughs> The so, first time I ever heard of Pizzagate was in one of her tweets. And <laughs> she sang the Star Spangled Banner at the ball game. Yeah. yeah. Remember but, that fiasco? Right, that fiasco. Yeah. But... Um, but interestingly enough, and I worked with her, we did, I did, um, oh God, what was that? Comic Relief and some yeah, other yeah. things, right? And, you know, everybody blasted her and, you know, she lost her show and everything because they said she was racist. But I don't think she was racist. Did you think she was racist on that show? 
Did you find her to be that personality? I didn't when I was working with her. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, but I mean, there was there were no black people on the show, so I don't know. Uh, maybe it was like 1992. We're going right. way back. Um, oh well, no. there was no black people on any shows then. Yeah, and I so, thought the bitch was white. Well, that's what really gave it away. Is that I think she really did think that she was white. Yeah, but, but was also it, uh... I just don't think that's her personality. I think that the one thing that canceled her and ended that was probably something that wasn't true which is the danger of this cancel culture. Well, I, uh, two things. I'm not for cancel culture. I just think, you know, that it's just gotten out of hand. Right. Um, oh, way on out the other of hand. hand, I do think people should be held responsible for what they say. And I will say that the first time I ever heard of Pizzagate was a tweet from Roseanne before <laughs> she got the new show back. So I could see the rabbit hole then. Right. And, um, and she did tweet a lot of ugly things. Yeah. Um, racist or not, ugly things while she had a network show on the air. And her platform, yeah. Which anybody in this town would tell you, you might want to mitigate it a little bit (laughs) and just not say that much when you have a show on a major network, you know? Right. Um, and, uh, And having some of the stuff she'd put out before she got her show back. Uh, I was surprised they gave her her show back. Her show back, yeah. But I guess they got some kind of promise from her. She would not say some of those things, but then she did. Did. And she didn't leave them much wiggle room there. Um, You know, and and it's sad because I think she's a really brilliant comedian. Yeah. And uh, and smart and interesting, interesting to talk to. Um, I, I just think she's one of the people that got into all the conspiracy theories. What are you doing now, speaking of work? Um, Anything? Yeah, yeah. I did the play earlier this uh, last year. I bet uh, last year, last spring, and big then hit, big success. We had a, it was a big hit. Yeah, yeah. It, I did it in Kansas City, and we were it was very popular. We had great fun. Was that one of those murder? Murder no, mystery thing. It was something no. called "Don't Dress for Dinner" by the same guy who wrote "Boeing Boeing," mm. and yeah. so it's a farce. It's right. a farce. And I got to tell you, I mean, I've I've been in the theater since I was ten, and I've done a lot of comedy, but farce is hard. It's just so fast, you can't think about anything, <laughs> and it's so fast. And we had a really wonderful director, but uh, I mean, it's just you don't you can't slide a knife between those lines. And so, uh, you know, you just have to be thinking ahead all the time. Uh, but you also have to really listen to what they're saying, but you have to be thinking ahead, and it's, it's exhausting to do. But um, about, about four days after we opened, because everybody, there's so many lines, and, and they're redundant lines, so you got lost. You know, you repeating, you, did right. I just say that? Oh, studying um, must just be yeah, a oh, challenge. Oh, it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare yeah. to learn all these lines, because, and a lot of them are, what, huh, what? You know, and they've got to uh, go at a certain rhythm and keep it all going, and, but... They're not real lines, you know, it's just interruptions. And about three days after we opened, I had a cast meeting, and I said, guys, I figured this out. (laughs) It's not the line, other than a few key plot points. It's the rhythm. It's the rhythm. It's ba-boom, 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 ba-boom. So if you can't think of the line, just say what or uh. Just say something. Say anything. Just There's a lot of what's in this place. In so just beat. say what. And we will know you're up and we will all jump on it. <laughs> and we'll, we'll get it. And, it, and I, one by one, everybody in the cast came and said, you saved me. You saved me. Because that's it. It's the rhythm. It's not really the lines. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. As long as you keep the rhythm going, it gets, you're floating. As soon as you're, the rhythm stops, you're sinking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, what was the old imp- the, the improv? Uh, uh, you can in, in, you, Always yes. Yeah. Always yeah. yes. Never yeah. no, never no, because yeah. it, no stops it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So as long as you keep it going, you're okay. So that rule, yeah. Speaking of comedy and farce, what was it like working on Friends? 
You know, it was great fun. Um, when they called and asked me to do Chandler's Mom, the show was not a big hit yet, but I had seen it, uh, which I don't see everything, but I had seen it a few times, and I thought um, the kids were really good individually, but really good ensemble work. It's two different talents. Mm-hmm. And I thought the show had great potential. I was right. And so, uh, so I said yes. And then several people said, oh, you know, you're too young to play that guy's mother, and, you know, you shouldn't do that. And I said, you know, you've got to make that transition at some point, you know, and might as well. And I think the show has potential. So I did it, and they promoted it very heavily on me. And I, the two Matthews, I ran into them in a store, and they're out for, they were out at luncheon and said, you got us in the top five. You got us in the top five. And I thought, oh, great, I'll be back next week, you know. And, did three years before I come back, <laughs> you know, but, but it was great fun because the great writing and um, a lot of times with shows, we've all been around this business a long time. If you're the guest star, you don't get great lines. You get great setups you get for the setups. star. Right. But with friends, they wrote great lines for the guest stars too. And so it was That's always generous. Yeah, yeah. It was always yeah. fun to do. You always knew you'd have something good to say and fun to do. And, and the kids were fun and smart and, you know, it was, and it was great fun. And then of course it ballooned, yeah. you know, so. Did you, ma- did you happen to read Matthew Perry's book? On no, I haven't figure? read it. Yeah. Huge hit. Yeah. Yeah. Huge hit. Yeah. Oh, he, good. He went through a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was, it was funny because after somebody had told me, you know, you're too young to play that guy's mother. And the first day on the set, Matthew came over to me and said, oh, you won't remember me, but my father is John Bennett Perry, and he played the sheriff on Falcon Crest and on Flamingo Road, and I used to visit the set with him when I was nine. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God, I guess I could be this kid's mother. <laughs> I mean, listen, you got on second kids. thought, yeah. You kissed David Schwimmer, I mean, you know. Oh, yeah, 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 you know. Any good, the kiss? <laughs> Lovely. Lovely kiss. Lovely. <laughs> tongue or no tongue? There? Yeah, does it rate up there with all your, was, was it one of your best kisses on screen? Well, probably not one of the best because we got interrupted. Uh, but yeah, I think at first they were going to have us get caught in bed together and chickened out. Okay. okay. <laughs> a little, a little too early for that. Do you have a, a best screen kiss? No, I've I've been so fortunate to work with several men who are very good kissers. Very good kissers. Okay, well, uh, that's and a couple good. who were not. But uh, <laughs> you know, but uh, but I don't have really a best. Yeah. But I've I've been very fortunate in the people I've gotten to work with and yeah. and even get to know because I do a lot of charity work even through the charity stuff and um, you know I've been I've been very fortunate mm-hmm. the people I've gotten to work with and you know I I, I thank the God up there for for. Uh, having a career where I've actually gotten to work with legends that I grew up walking, watching, Betty Davis, you know, yeah. Vincent Price. I mean, I got to work with all these wonderful people, Fernando Lamas and, uh, you know, and Jane Wyman, my God, and, and um, Cesar Romero. And, mm-hmm. of course, being an old movie buff, my first day on, on with Cesar Romero, I said, Cesar, what was it like to work with Marlena Dietrich on Devil is a Woman in 1933? <laughs> 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 and that's the great thing about the old stars. They all, they're great rock on tours. Right. I yes. mean, Vincent Price is one of the funniest storytellers in the history of the world. And um, and his wife, Coral Brown, oh, his was wife also, is amazing. Yeah, just hysterical. And Roddy McDowell used to always have these dinner parties at his house that was sort of famous where they actually took his... his uh, uh, coat room closet. I mean, his uh, his powder room, I guess, and put it in the Hollywood Museum. And uh, but it, you never knew who would be there. I mean, it's like one night I came in, I was hanging up my coat, and I hear this, 
I want to meet Morgan Fairchild. I hear Morgan Fairchild's coming. I like all our AIDS work. Who is it? And Lauren Bacall comes around the corner, you know? Mm. And you just get to meet these wonderful people and have wonderful conversations. And they had lives and they read. They're yeah. read and you, you could talk yeah, to them. Yeah, they don't make them like that anymore. You could no. talk to them about yeah. all kinds of and things. And they had humor. And great stories, yeah. And great storytellers, yeah. I wish she was around. Would she be an I adored her. As you know, people thought she was tough is the word Lauren? I will use, yes. Oh, I loved her. And, um, you know, when I would tell people, I'm having lunch with Lauren Bacall or Betty Bacall, if you were her friend, and, oh, she's terrible, she's a this, she's a that. I adored her. I adored her. I loved her. You know, she was very blunt. Yeah. She said it as she saw it, mm -hmm. and she didn't pull any punches. And she would just keep me in hysterics. I would have tears rolling down my cheeks because just watching her talk to people and, you know, she would tell them right to their face what she was thinking. Yeah. You know? There's nothing better than that. That's well, very New York of her. But the, uh, yeah. the old stars, you know, they were great talkers yeah. and storytellers and they had things to tell stories about because they yeah. weren't on text all the time they actually lived well and they <laughs> had those big parties she and humphrey bogart you know they'd have all those barbecues down at the beach and yeah. everybody who was anybody was there so yeah. they you know it was like real living they just happened to be hanging out with people that everyone was watching on the movie screen all right before we wrap it up is there anything you want to say or anything you would want you want to talk about or promote Come on, anything um, you want well, to promote? I, I, got, I, I did a little movie called The Nana Project with Mercedes Rule. Uh, and then, and I, um, I'm not sure when it's coming out, but it's coming out. And then I did something on a Boots Riley show, uh, a series that's coming out uh, with Walton Goggins um, uh, called uh, I'm a Virgo. And I'm not sure when it's coming out either. But so let there me push those. There and you we'll go. Look out for those. Yes, we'll look indeed. for those. Yeah. We'll review them in our first segment. Oh, yes. no. Yeah. No, you guys are too mean. <laughs> no, pick no, get out of here. <laughs> We're not mean. We're not mean at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, we talk about honesty and saying what's on our mind. Yes, we do. But we always leave room for our friends. Yeah. Well, thank you for being well, thank with you. us today. Thanks for yes, having thank me. you. Thanks for having so me. <laughs> well, Morgan delivers. She yeah, always she has. Mm -hmm. And uh, hopefully that was a little bit of a surprise to some people. Yeah, because I think the image of her being the vixen, the, you know, the, the nighttime soap vixen, glamorous and conniving and scheming, you know, seeing that um, she's so passionate, she's so intelligent, you know, and she's given so much and she's awakened. And that's the beauty of the responsibility that we have as either celebrity or, or politicians or any of the things that you go in when you have a, a voice. And she chose her voice to bring awareness to AIDS to, I mean, made such a difference to all sorts of causes. And then even spearheading COVID as much as she did. And, yeah. and, it's and she just, tries to be very apolitical. She, she tries, is apolitical. Yeah, because she tries to send out facts, not, and not she's politics. Intelligent and prepared. Yeah. So. No, it's a, it, it, that was, it was a fun interview. And, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, she got invited to a God, must have been a month ago now. She got invited to a pre-Oscar tea at the Beverly Hills Hotel. Oh, yeah. And she said, do you want to go with me? And I said, sure. And it was fun because you know who we ran into? Was Barbara Eden? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I dream of Jeannie. I would love to have her on the show, honestly. She was, 
you know, she's iconic. I mean, we all grew Very. up with I Dream of Jeannie. Yeah. And that and Bewitched. Those yeah, were and shows Bewitched. as kids I loved. But so that was kind of fun. We we got to have tea. We sat at the table with uh with her and had And she had looks tea. amazing, does isn't she ninety one? Ninety one, amazing and uh fun, lovely. So we had Did a good time. Did she show her belly button? She was not showing her belly button. <laughs> she wasn't allowed to show her belly button. Cher was the first person first that person showed her belly button on TV. On television, so yeah. her midriff cut up of, I yeah. mean. Um, yeah, I, her, her, her little genie. genie pants had to cover her cover belly her button. Belly button. <laughs> yeah, it's so crazy. See how underfucked we are? Seriously. It's unbelievable. I mean, if you really want to complain about something that affects us greatly, what about this new phenomenon with uh, both men and women who I don't want to say are, uh, well, they have, there's a lot of the, uh, there's too much of them to be putting into spandex because I find that really hard to look at when you see uh, somebody and they're wearing spandex and you can see every fold and crease in every part of their body uh, from the genitalia to the kneecaps. Oh, it's a let's it's complain a about breakfast that breakfast buffet with the scrambled eggs, French toast, yes, and sausage. I mean, I'd much rather look at a belly button than that. God, it's just unbelievable. And then when it's twerking, oh, anyway, I felt that be last a different night. Episode. Somebody was twerking. My house was kind of shaking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us, and thank you, Morgan, for uh, for being on the show. We really enjoyed you. Yeah. Thank you. And we'll talk at you soon. This podcast is a production of the Villa Romana Network in association with Spotify. 